everyone, welcome to Video Gameography, the video game history podcast where we sit down, we chat about a game, how it was made, the story behind the game, and we have a good time because on this show we laugh and we learn. My name is Marcus Stewart. I'm joined by John Carson. Hello, I'm I'm John Carson, as always. It's good to be back. <laughs> good to be starting a, a new season. It's been so long since we've done one of these. Yeah, it's been, I was on vacation for a week, so I, I took a nice uh, uh, sabbatical. I, I went into a hyperbolic time chamber, so it's actually been a full year for me. So you're like uh, 30 times stronger than you were. You're doing one finger push-ups. Yeah, I might. You guys didn't see it, but I actually just ran around the world just now. That's wow. that's just I, one I heard of the things. It. I, yeah, that's just something I wanted to work on. You know, you know, you got to work on yourself sometimes, right? Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, season five, we are changing it up because we are talking about a developer's catalog as opposed to following one specific series, and it's going to be one of my personal favorite developers, Super Giant, and we're covering all four of their games bastion transistor pyre and hades over the next four weeks so obviously today we are covering their debut title bastion and we are doing it with a very special guest staff writer at prima games friend of the game informer one jesse fideli how you doing buddy hello thank you for having me i'm doing great happy to be here we're gonna record a good podcast it's gonna be hell yeah we are bastion yeah. rules not to play my hand too early Bastion rules. <laughs> hey bastion rules i will i will join you on that bandwagon well you know that's a good segue because you know i was going to ask you guys what your personal history is with bastion and what you think of it so jesse we'll start with you tell us what is, what's the love you got for bastion so bastion was an interesting one because i came to this game like super late like i didn't play this until the ps4 like um I remember hearing good things about it, and it was one of those like things where it's like, oh, it's on sale for like dirt cheap, and I was I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give this thing a chance. You know, I didn't play a lot of indie games uh, until I really started getting into the industry and, and kind of onward, um, and so I was like, oh, what is this? This look looks neat, whatever, uh, and I ended up playing it and just like falling in love with it, and I could not stop talking about it, and I kept telling all of my friends who like only played Call of Duty and Madden, and I'm like, you have to play this game, you have to play it. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, and nobody listened to me. Uh, uh, but then I, throughout life, have found more people that are like, will spread the good word of Bastion. The, the Church of Bastion is what you call exactly. yourselves. Gotcha. Okay. And what about you, yeah. John? Yeah, uh, this was one of the, I mean, I want to say it's one of the early indie games, like successes, but it's it's not. Uh, like, what, it came out in, in 2011. Right. Um, it, was, it was one of the, the big, like, summer of arcade games. Uh, on on XBLA, and that's kind of where I got like most excited for it, like seeing that whole build up uh, for for that slate of games, and like seeing this cool action RPG where like the world is building in front of you wherever you go. Uh, it just had a really cool and unique style to it. And once I got my hands on it, it turned out that uh, it had a, a an awesome uh narr narrative gimmick with with the narrator kind of i guess narrating everything that you're doing um and it was just fun to play like tight controls cool weapons uh it's just a a, a fun ass game um, yeah absolutely and uh it's i returned to it a couple of weeks ago uh for for this podcast and played through all of it in one night wow um, yeah <laughs> it had me hooked like immediately again so 
yeah, uh, Bastion is incredible, and it still is incredible in 2022. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you guys. I, I love this game. I remember playing it that summer in 2011, and it was one of the, I think it was one of the first indie games that I played on XP Legs. I didn't get an Xbox uh, 360 until 2010. I think that was when they released the the, the slim one. Uh, that's where I got in. So I I was all on board with Bash. I remember hearing the, uh, you know, like the the hype around it. I think I read like the Game Informer review for, it and it was like, oh, this looks cool. Uh, and ran through it pretty quick. And you know, like you mentioned, John, like indie games, the indie scene had was established at that point, but it was still it still wasn't what it is now. Right. Uh, it felt like it was still sort of like making its case in terms of like, Oh, these games can be as good, if not better than, you know, a, a gazillion dollar triple a game. And this was just another like flag planted <laughs> for that, for that scene. But yeah, I adore this game and I, I adore super giant as a whole. This was like their first, you know, masterpiece. And, you know, one of those rare, uh, debut outings that is like a classic from the get-go uh, which is always cool to see so yeah we're going to be unpacking this game very excited to talk about it but of course before we can do that we need to set the table and take our minds back to now 11 years ago which it still doesn't feel like it's as long ago as it really is 2011 but you know once we run down the things that happened this year, it starts to kind of dawn on you. So well, some of the big games that came out this year, and we have talked about this year uh, in our Uncharted episode, because one of the games that came out in 2011 was, of course, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, which you can hear us talk about in the archives. Another great game, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, the first of uh, 10 re-releases of that game, I think. <laughs> Um, this is where it started. <laughs> Other they, big games just it never it never stopped releasing. Yeah, they That's some say it's still happening to this day. If uh, a Skyrim release doesn't happen every year, something's wrong. Somebody call Todd Howard. Something happened. Is he okay? Did he fall and he can't emergency. get up? <laughs> he's T posing in an office. <laughs> oh. oh no, he's Todd posing again. <laughs> uh, and some other great games that came out was a uh, Batman Arkham City. Portal 2, Dead Space 2, uh, the Mortal Kombat reboot, or MK9, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, uh, XCOM, or not XCOM, but uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Hell and yeah. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So, pretty strong year overall. I feel like good we year. don't talk about 2011 that often, but I think it was a, a very good year for games, yeah. at least personally. I mean, when uh, you run it down the list like that, for sure. I, I completely forgot all of those games came out in one year. Yeah. And uh, not a bad year for movies either. Some of the uh, big or at least noteworthy films that came out in 2011, of course, the Oscar winner for that year was The Artist, which I have never seen. And I think I've always meant to see it and still have not. I haven't either. (laughs) Okay, so we can all attest to its quality and we all think it's a deserving. uh, Yeah, total. total. Perfect film. Won that gold. Yeah. Um, Definitely won. (laughs) <laughs> exactly uh a movie that probably should have been nominated at least in my opinion was like uh, captain america the first avenger was this year this is also the year that we got the first thor yeah so i mean when the, they had a, a lot of great like method acting in that first uh in that first captain america how how he got like all small for the part yeah how he, chris, he, chris evans just like got real skinny for the first half of the film like that's that's some dedication yeah, he was inspired by uh, Christian Bale. He saw the Machinist and then, <laughs> you know, Batman. He's like, I can do that. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this is the year we also got X-Men First Class, as well as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, the Muppets was this year, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. This was also the year that I learned Pixar movies could be bad when Cars 2 came out. Oh, I'm like the last dinosaur? I was, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I was like, or I The Good know. Dinosaur? <laughs> no, no, that was the 2015 The Good Dinosaur. Mm, I like yeah. The Good Dinosaur. What do you say? <laughs> I, never, I never saw it. Uh, but yes, Cars 2, you're right. <laughs> yeah. What a lemon. Right. And this I snuck this in as a purely personal, but one of my favorite like cult movies was this year. And that is the Raid Redemption. Oh, yeah. The Raid rules. The Raid's great. Go see the Raid Redemption if you want to see a great action movie. You know, I still haven't seen the sequel. I don't know if that's good or bad. The Raid is great. It's really good. I hear great things about both of them, and I need I need to sit down and watch them. If you want like if you want like a good just just a pure action movie, the Raid one is so, so good. And the yeah. Raid 2 just, like, builds on the the lore that you didn't know really existed in the first one. And, like, really just blows out that way. It's kind of like the the John Wick uh, thing where, like, really cool action movie for the first one and then just, like, really expands on the world in the second yeah. one. It's, it's, it's a video it's game. It's literally a guy climbing a tower to get to the big boss. And every floor he has, like, some weird thing person he has to fight or, like, a bunch of dudes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the best thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh and in terms of world events again we've talked about 2011 so what i decided to do was tr- find some more uh video game related news and there was actually some big stories uh, in the game industry that happened in 2011 uh first and foremost this was the year that the 3ds launched on march 27th uh one of the best-selling handhelds of all time and I had quite a long tail on it it wasn't until what 2019 that it was officially discontinued something like that yeah yeah so you know, I, I, I've been playing mine this week. Oh, OK. For, in preparation. In, in preparation of uh, of of yes, of this fact, this of 2011. It's <laughs> yeah, that, right. all been building to this. this no, uh, moment. There, there's like a big sale on uh, on Atlas and Sega RPGs for like they were like nine bucks for like the Etrian Odyssey games or, or the uh, Shin Megami Tensei games, which, of course, I bought a few of those and then started playing Dragon Quest seven instead. So that's yep. that's been money my, well like, spent. Nightly go time or like go to game. So <laughs> uh, another story that I completely forgot, but this was a huge deal this year, was that this was when the PlayStation Three network outage happened, where yes. for twenty three days from April twentieth to March or May fourteenth, there a a hacker group <laughs> breached the. Uh, security of psn i believe it was at the time and maybe still is the biggest data breach in history because about uh 70 77 million playstation network accounts were all compromised and it forced sony to take psn down for almost a month and it was quite a news story at the time as a playstation fan uh, not being able to go online for what felt like an eternity was uh was something else it was, it was a bananas period like I, I remember um, what Portal had just released or like Portal 2 had just it released. It would have been Portal 2, right? Portal 2. Yeah. yeah. And so people were trying to play online with their friends. There's like online co-op. This was like it, like it was all premiering on on like PlayStation consoles. I, there, I, f- I feel like there's some sort of an exclusive for PlayStation and immediately this thing hits. Yeah. And takes down <laughs> PlayStation Plus for... I, I remember uh, on the indie scene, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, Tales from Space, about a blob, if you guys ever played that game, yeah. the Drinkbox's mm-hmm. kind of debut, it, it 
debuted i think the day that this happened or it came out when the outage happened and as a downloadable only game you basically couldn't access it oh, no <laughs> so That's they had cool. a and it's relevant because they kind of had a similar bit of bad luck this year with uh nobody saves the world which is a cool game but that happened to release the day that xbox announced they were buying activision blizzard and <laughs> nobody was talking about happen. nobody saves the world hey this is a good game play play that it's on game pass so uh yeah, what a wild time that data breach was. Um, on a sort of like, not so much a singular event, but I don't know if you guys remember this, but this was kind of the the prime year where online passes were a big thing. If anyone remembers the the experiment of the online pass. Yeah, where, Battlefield did that, right? Where it was like, EA get the in rest general. Of the maps and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah so EA like, was big on it. had one too. Yeah, yeah, Ubisoft was, was big on it too. You uh, had to buy a new version of the game. It would come with a code with an online pass. Yeah, it kind of started you, in 2010, and then 2011 was kind of the peak year for it. And then by early 2013, it kind of fizzled out. Or I even had late 2012. From Blockbuster, I think it was it was whatever Battlefield was out at the time. And inside the insert of like the Blockbuster box was like, "Hey, you need the online pass if you want to." play like more of the online right now you're like you have two maps and you have like a couple of weapons and i just remember being like what what is this what happened like yeah. why Yo, i have to pay another ten dollars <laughs> on top yeah. of my rental fee like that's right the idea it, for people that weren't maybe playing around this time was that companies were trying to find ways to combat the used game market so they're like oh what if we put a code that you know you it would only be worth anything if you bought the game new because if you bought it used it would have been used by then and if you wanted to get in on the used game like oh i i want to use this code you have to pay them like ten dollars to either access the online or get like dlc or whatever it was it was a uh it didn't it lasted a couple years it went away it was kind of case by case it was a weird maybe not great thing (laughs) that publishers were uh toying with thankfully they they went the way of the dodo but yeah that's one of the things that i i guess sort of defined 2011 specifically it felt like that was the tipping point for all that stuff uh and then uh lastly this was the year that thq released the udraw tablet oh no for specifically and i i've forgotten this and this is an important bit of history this is they released it for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 specifically. Because I think the story is that, you know, the story that you draw is that that was the failed sort of like art tablet peripheral that just did not sell well at all. And was it's pretty much the final nail in the coffin before THQ went bankrupt. But the what people forget is that it actually released in 2010 on the Wii. And that version did okay. It was when it came to the other platforms this year. Like that is the specific one that completely was a, just was a sales disaster <laughs> and then retailers have of those things just somewhere right exactly it's got its own landfill somewhere like we need a documentary <laughs> now enough time has passed where we can start looking for those huge raw tablets <laughs> put it right next to the et landfill <laughs> yeah oh it, man what a yeah so this was kind of a the death knell for thq what, or at least the old thq year. wow yeah, what a what a wild year 2011 A lot was. of ups and downs. <laughs> Thankfully, we're talking about it up now, though, because we're moving on to Bastion. So, John, I'm mm-hmm. going to pass it over to you. Can you kick us off talking about uh, the development history of Bastion? Yeah, so uh, 
Bastion, Bastion's development actually kind of started with a group of developers who were um, under the EA umbrella. Uh, they were uh, developing games like Command & Conquer. Uh, I think it was Command & Conquer. One, one was Red Alert 3. Um, I want to I say Generals, but I know that's not it. Um, while Marcus is looking that up, uh, I can look it up. <laughs> but that was that was uh, people like Amir Rao, uh, who is uh, kind of the person who's spearheading uh, the development on Bastion. Yeah. Um, he was talking with his dad one day, and he was like, "Hey, kind of want to go out on my own and and do do my own thing and, and make my own game." And his dad's like, "Well, hey, so you're like 25 now. Um, if it fails." You'll only be like 27, so I'd say do it. And, I think uh, it's the best piece of advice I've ever heard for like contextualizing a like life risk or like a leap of faith. Of like <laughs> when you when you pull it down to like that, you're like, oh yeah, that's not so bad, right? Like, right. Plenty of time to fix your life if things go south. You're, you're exactly. Young. Yeah, like that's some good fathering right there. And, and like at that time, I mean, he has multiple games under his belt for that he shipped or at least worked on um, at a at a big company. You could probably get a job just about anywhere, after, like after Bastion, if Bastion were to fail. Yeah, because um, this was the period when the indie scene started to take off and you started seeing more and more of those sort of like smaller games become success stories and like developers betting on themselves to make a, a cool, more experimental thing. So it's it, it seemed like that appeal started to spread to other maybe like designers that worked at bigger companies, right? Right. Um. And I, I should say, before we go on, a lot of the development story um, I, that, that we're going to be talking about today, I picked up from uh, Daniel Dwyer's No Clip documentary of the making of Bastion. Like, it's, it's an amazing documentary. He has a, a few uh, on a few different documentaries on Supergiant Games games. Uh, so go go check those out if you want to see some some cool like behind the scenes footage of the time. Like, I don't know how they were just, like, recording all this stuff back then, like, as the Supergiant team, but there's a lot of cool footage yeah, from, like, sure. them uh, just developing things, like, in in uh, in Amir's dad's house, who uh, who offered Amir to, like, he's like, hey, if you want to use my house to, to develop this game, you could do it. That would, like, reduce costs considerably on, like, office space and all of that. Um, so uh, Amir recruited a couple of people that he was working with from uh from ea um so he, he talked with uh gavin simon uh who's a programmer andrew wang who's, who's another programmer there and then uh greg kasavin who uh would come onto the team to write the game uh, and also work on a bunch of different odd jobs as yeah, well I'm he's former uh, editor-in-chief of GameSpot. right yeah. exactly <clears throat> um one, one of us I couldn't oh, no. imagine picking up and like starting to develop a game in, in my parents' house uh, <laughs> with a bunch of friends. That sounds. Again, what a cool dad! Can we just appreciate yeah. <laughs> Amir's yeah. dad? Let's like Mr. Rao. Out. Mr. Rao, thank you, Mr. Rao. Thank you. Because yeah, the, literally all of Bastion from start to finish was developed in that the living room of this house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of the. Uh, they kind of knew what they wanted to make with Bastion to start with. Uh, they were all kind of fans of the uh, like action RPG. Uh, they they referenced Diablo a lot in the documentary about like, 
hey, we 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 really like the the isometric style, um, the action combat of something like Diablo, and so they wanted to make something along those lines, um, which is kind of how I, I guess Bastion's Bastion's combat isn't exactly like Diablo, but it's a close approximation. Yeah, it's like um, that and, isometric action RPG, just going around, just like hack and slash like meleeing yeah. things and stuff like you can see the you can definitely see like the the template there for sure just maybe not with the the loot being as big of a thing right yeah, right even the level layout is very diablo like dungeon like it's you know a lot of long corridors and kind of twisting like walking into a room and fighting a bunch of enemies yeah, you don't like necessarily have a, a mini map or anything like that so yeah. you're kind of relying on on like the the land just building out in front of you or having little context clues of like where to go or where you've been um yeah which apparently was like a design choice because they knew they weren't really making anything that was going to be that big or like have a large scale so like having to find little tricks like that of well how do we guide players what if we just have the world guide you and you know like just stuff like that of like how do we streamline this in a way that narratively makes sense was i think one of the biggest hallmarks of fashion because there's so many examples of that in the game yeah um it it, it going back to it it's something that i kind of forgot like the le the levels aren't big um they're they're actually pretty small um which makes sense i mean it was a it was an indie game in 2011. You probably only have so much space that you could use, especially with like Xbox Live Arcade games, which is what they were aiming for with this. Yeah. Um, like there used to be actual hard limits on the size of those games. Um, like some could. I feel like it was a big deal when when they could release a game that was like more than a gigabyte. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you look back in the hard drives of those old systems back in the day and you realize like, how small they really are compared to now because the games have ballooned so much. They're like, oh man, 50 gig Xbox. I'm rolling now. And yeah, my, my 360, I think the original hard drive was like 12 gigs or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And that was like the big one until they released later models. And I was like, yeah, why like, do you fit so much on this 12 gig hard drive? You're lucky if an update is 12 gigs for a game yeah. now. <laughs> uh, a lot of the, the development on the game was... I mean, all, all the people who are currently working on Bastion at, at the beginning stages of, of it were, what, like, programmers, artists, or not artists, writers, programmers. Um, they had a composer, Darren Korb, uh, who's actually off-site. He was off in New York. New York. Yeah, yeah. and had never yeah. worked on in games before. Like, this was his first game project. Which I, is... I believe Darren was, like, Amir's, like, childhood like a close friend from from amir's childhood if i remember correctly yes, yeah yeah that's, that's correct um, kind of a lot of these people were found because of amir like either because they were like childhood friends or just connections from like working at ea and stuff like it's a really tight-knit group <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm surprised that like i i think most if not all these people are still working with all Super of them. giant all of them are yeah, yeah. Yep, all seven that's awesome um <laughs> That's that's really cool. I, I mean, once once they had that that core group of programmers and designers and stuff, none of them are artists. Uh, so a lot of their their early concepts were super rudimentary in 
like the design of like the characters and like the animations. Uh, there's there's some footage in that no clip documentary about like just like the kid uh, who's who's the character that you play as in Bastion, just like sliding across the ground and like <laughs> like really it's like basic, a weird like, like frame gray animations looking thing. Uh, so that so they brought up uh, they brought on Gen Z, uh, who is the the artist for really just all of the the super giant game sense bastion and yeah like uh, like she is the she is the super giant style basically yes yes she put that <laughs> that entire flavor in there um there there were some parts that were implemented art wise before she got in like some of the weapons and like some some of that art stayed in or like she touched it up a little bit but um most of what you're seeing in bastion was uh was her her work um, yeah and it they brought up uh in the um we have a our own piece on game informer the uh that kim wallace wrote about the uh making a bastion where they mentioned because of like how not late that she came on but because uh because has mentioned like there was no pre-production for bastion no, they just like kinda, yeah they <laughs> just, just kind of went <laughs> so oh, like I because people always ask like you guys should make an art book that has all your concept art and stuff and they're like that literally doesn't exist and like pretty much everything that's in the game that jen made was like she drew it and it's like pretty much anything she drew just went in the game there wasn't really a lot of scrap stuff or like oh this is an early version of this it's like nah it's just in there so like in a way the game itself is sort of its own concept book and like that's really wild to think about uh how because like it, overall you know not to get ahead of ourselves but i think bastion they said was developed from start to finish in under two years that's i mean thinking about game development now like even even 10 years ago that's that's a, a pretty tight timeline but like even now like games are sometimes five four or five years even even indie titles um, right some teams can crank them out but uh yeah, that that was impressive that they were able to bring this game to fruition in, in that in that time frame. Yeah. It felt like when Jin came on, like that seemed to be the turning point in terms of like because of her style, like nailing what the game's tone would be and the uh like either like the storytelling elements. It seemed like that all sort of started to crystallize just based on her art and I don't know what you guys think of like Bastion's art or like Super Giant's art really, because they all share that her same art style but yeah it's one of my favorites ever like i i adore the look of their games uh and it's also i think it's become one of the best blessings of that studio because their games look so distinct like when I, you see their games you're like oh that's super giant you know like you really yeah. do, at least for me i don't know about you guys i never confuse their games with anyone else's no for sure uh distinct was the word i was going to use because you, you like you said you look at it and you're like oh okay yes like sometimes I'll see games and I'm like, oh, that looks like a super giant game, but I can tell it's not because you know it's it's missing something, right? But yeah. for the most part, like you you look at a Bastion, you look at a Hades, a Pyre, whatever, and you're like, nope, that's a super giant joint. I could I could see that from a mile away. <laughs> see it's like very vibrant, eyes. color. And yeah, like the 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 proportions. There's something like about certain them. brush strokes in the yeah. in like the the textures. Yeah, like it's... really painterly quality to it. And and in Bastion specifically, it's 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 like very soft in the way it looks. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like, like hard seems like a weird word to use, but right there is like a softness to Bastion yes. that like when you're, when you're playing through it, it's very smooth and the motion looks very good. It like, it, it's a game that looks very good in motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like every super giant game kind of has 
like the art style is different a little bit. Like it's got its own tweaks. Like Transistor looks different from Bastion, but there are like connective tissues between those games artistically. Uh, same with Hades and Pyre and everything. Like the art style always seems to match the genre of game they are trying to make while right. still retaining that super giant quality to them. Yeah, it's that's a good point. Cause yeah, like their games when you line them all up together, they're very distinct from each other but they still lo all look like super you, giant games. You can definitely see the through line in different aspects mm -hmm. for each game. Like even I like I haven't played too much of Hades. I played a couple hours uh, a couple of years ago, and it, it's something I'm excited to like get back to in the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully try to try to finish it before we record that podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't know if that's going to be possible or not. But um, but even just like the combat in Bastion is very much like a prototype for the different weapons and stuff that you get for Hades. Um, yeah. It's, it's cool to see what they, what they felt like they nailed in Bastion and like what they nailed, but still could improve on uh, in, in Bastion and like seeing that through Bastion, Transistor, Pyre and, and, and Hades is very, very cool. I think an, another big uh, component of Bastion and also for Supergiant Games that maybe is as important as uh, Gen Z's contribution is uh, Logan Cunningham. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Who was a, another childhood friend of Amir's, who was the, uh, the voice actor and pretty much has become Supergiant's like, principal voice actor because he plays the, the narrator in Bastion and he would go on to voice uh, several other big characters and uh pretty much all of their other games but he was another guy kind of like darren corbs where you know he had a voice acting background but he had never worked in games <laughs> and it's what it's it's kind of one of those cool things of like how i don't know if you say thrifty but like how smart they were with putting this game together in terms of understanding their budget and their scope and like knowing like oh let's just reach out to people i know instead of trying to bring in like a big name or someone that you know might be harder because like i guess one it's easier but also because you already know this person intimately it's it makes right. it easier to work with them uh and yeah like it, especially because the narrator and bastion was a thing that was uh conceived later in development it sounded like like yeah, it was not it, something they dreamed up at the beginning no and it was it was <laughs> really they they were finding it hard to convey the narrative in like an action RPG. Like, yeah, typically like stopping to get like lore dumps from people is cumbersome. Uh, it stops the action. You kind of just want to go out and, and play the thing. Um, but having uh, like Logan's narration while you're going and doing everything, he can put a little bit of flavor into each area that you're going to or uh there's there's an area early on where you see the the effects of the calamity uh, that's happened that that's destroyed the world, and the kid is walking through kind of what used to be a town, um, and seeing these these statues of people uh, that are the the actual people when the calamity uh, befell the land, and now they're just. They're just ashes. Um, yeah, I think they use Pompeii as like a comparison of like, you know, the frozen or ash covered people there. Right. Yeah. It's it's super creepy, but also like they're dropping like the names of the characters and 
Like, oh, like the blah, blah, blah brothers uh, were here, but not anymore. Like, these guys never saw the, the outside of these walls. That's my, that's my and narrator. They never I've been, will. I've been There's working on it. comforting about having the narrator be the through line throughout that entire game. Because, like, so many games do audio logs, right? And you're always hearing different people's perspectives of whatever happened to them before they recorded this thing on the recorder that everybody has. But with the narrator, it's like you're getting information, but there's also like a sense of comfort to it because you're like, oh, I, this voice I'm familiar with, this person I'm familiar with, they've kind of been the one talking to me the entire time. Whereas in like with audio logs, you get different people and it sometimes can feel a little uh, like removed. And so right. even though the narrator might be telling you of what befell this land and how horrible it was and these, you know, very sad or somber moments, like you still feel a little comfort hearing that person's voice and that person who has kind of been with you throughout the journey. And I think yeah. that's where the narrator like hits so hard. Yeah, like that narrator is just it it breathes so much soul into the the adventure. Uh especially hearing like Logan talk about the influences for that performance and it kind of makes sense where he said it was like a blend of uh Ian McShane's character from Deadwood plus yeah. uh Sam Elliott's character in uh The Big Lebowski, The Stranger and uh oh god, what was the third one? <laughs> it was a uh, Oh, um, Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Gangs, Gangs of New York, New York. Are Billy the Butcher. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he pretty much just tossed those all in a blender and was like, that's the narrator. And uh, you can definitely see like elements of all three of like, oh yeah, just this kind of like raspy sort of like Western guy that is like really calming to hear. And even though he's describing these like tragedies, it's like, it has like emotional resonance, but it's not. I don't know. I feel like that performance could have been maybe over a little too over the top of being like, yo, man, things are messed up here. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. Like it's delivered so eloquently that you're like, it, like the game overall has sort of a somber tone, but also some hope too. Uh, it's and it's I, one of the smartest things in that, or it's kind of the defining feature in that game, right? Is the narrator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah with, with, with the narrator, uh, He's like, it, it's it's odd that he is a character in the game as well. Um, yeah, you meet him like early on, right? Yeah, you, he's the he's the very first character that you, that you meet that's like still alive, and it's it's Rux. He's he's yeah. the 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 kindly older gentleman who's uh, in the Bastion. Um, yeah, he's the guy that pretty much sends you on your mission. Like he's like, hey, this is what you got to do. Right. He's like, go oh, go find these shards for me. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, thank you. Uh, <laughs> been been listening to Bastion audio for the last week, but like Jesse was saying, like he he is comforting, but also he's a little bit of an unreliable narrator because you don't know. Like, there's always that little that little bit of like, can I trust this dude? Like, why why is he sending me out to these places? And especially like, well, we'll talk about the the narrative a little bit later, but uh, there there are some like character allegiances that change. Uh, through throughout the game and there's just enough i i think in that performance where he sounds he's he's very trusting but like just enough that it, it feels like something's off with him um yeah yeah that that performance is is super super good and i'm in the really sheer happy amount of lines too what was that like the sheer amount of lines he must have because you know he'll react to like just different little things that you can do like you can you won't always hear everything he has to say because you might not do everything that'll trigger a thing whether like you you use a certain weapon or like look at a thing or it'll be like oh yeah the kid 
kids really looking at that statue or whatever. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> and, like uh, dodging a bunch. He's like, he's just rolling through town. <laughs> yeah, like stuff like little things like that. And again, in hindsight, it's kind of a, a prologue of what would come later with Hades, which is another game that was hailed for like the emergent dialogue and just how many different lines there were and how you would you almost never hear the same thing twice. And I remember thinking the same of Bachelor, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever really heard him repeat himself, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, once the game started getting like closer to completion, uh, the, um, like to to even get a game on on Xbox Live Arcade back in the day, you had to have a publisher, which is wild these days because like a lot of indie games are either like self published or, um can be picked up i i want to say pretty easily by like some indie publisher of some sort yeah, it's so murky now like it's the definition of indie is so <laughs> like nebulous now at this point with that constantly changing because like is is bungie uh oh before the sony acquisition was bungie an independent developer for a while like technically yeah, yeah. Like, technically I mean, remedy is independent <laughs> cd project red like you think of these 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 companies and you're like they're making massive games. How it gets so weird. Yeah. Uh, so even like leading up to the game's release, the 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 guy, uh, the folks at Supergiant didn't know who was going to be publishing this thing. So they brought it to like PAX and like had a booth there and had people play it. And yeah. they were like kind of fishing for uh, for dev or for publishers to jump on and help yeah, them out. That was like the game's debut really too yeah. wasn't it that pack 2010 yeah. like that was like oh bastion what's this <laughs> i think they had brought it to a gdc prior for like a small group of people and then like the first like unveiling of the project was was at pax and it was like please come look at this thing please <laughs> yeah because that was the first time i remember catching yeah. wind of it <laughs> uh and it sounded like they they got someone pretty quick from from warner brothers on board <laughs> um I don't I don't have the guy's uh, Matt name. Leone. Was it uh, Matt Leone? It was Matt Leone. Yeah, they said a great story where uh, apparently he came to the booth, played it, had no expression on his face, you know, complete poker face. He, they have no idea, like, is this guy digging it or not? And then immediately after playing it, he like pulled one of them aside and said, listen, I play a lot of games and I rarely enjoy most of them. And I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they're yeah. like, "Oh wow, okay." And he's like, "We want to. I would love to, like, you know, get a deal going and publish you guys." And I've completely forgotten that Bastion was published by Warner Brothers. Uh, same until I fired it up. They still have the the Warner Brothers logo on there. Yeah, because right. all their other games are self published. This is the only one that's got a a publisher behind it. Yeah, when I started doing research for this, and I was watching some gameplay clips, like the Warner Brothers logo coming up, I was like. Oh yeah, I guess I, I guess yeah. that was right. I guess they did they did publish this one because it's so weird to think of now with, yeah. with where Supergiant yeah. is. Technically, Space Jam Two, LeBron James could have gone to Caledonia. Technically, he could Does have. Does this mean that Bash the Kid can be in multiverses? I think he should be. Hmm. With the narrator saying everything that he's doing. <laughs> Is, is he in like uh brawlhalla or something is he in one of those <laughs> i feel like those platinum he fight or if he's not we, whoever's listening right now 
Yeah, let's say, hey, let's strike a deal. It's not too late. <laughs> 11 years later. He's definitely been in other, like, I I know I have seen the kid in other indie games, because, you know, there'll be those indie games that'll pull in other indie characters yeah. for, like, fun and stuff like that. I don't know if something. he's been in, like, a platform fighter, but Brawlhalla, you're probably right, because who doesn't? Who isn't in Brawlhalla, really, right? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, the uh, new days in Brawlhalla. Like, yeah, the new day. <laughs> the, the... Uh, if you type in, is the kid in Brawlhalla into Google, the first result is, is Brawlhalla for little kids? So I didn't. <laughs> is it? No, I, I need to know immediately. It's, <laughs> I'm not going really down insecure. that Reddit thread. I'm not going so, down it. I wonder if that was a parent trying to find out if this was kid friendly or an adult that felt really like self-conscious about like, am I playing a kid's game? Is it wrong that I'm enjoying this? <laughs> This is for adults, right? <laughs> I need validation, please. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was, and it's weird because I think Spastion was only, like the Xbox version is the only one that Warner Brothers did on. I think by the time they brought it to PlayStation, they did it on their own, like self-published it elsewhere. So I played it on PC and it was, I, I guess it probably released on PC shortly after. Yeah, and it, it was it like saw the Warner Brothers logo on Warner it. Warner Brothers so had publishing rights for, I think, a full year. Yeah. And then anything after that was self-published. So I think when they came to like iOS and Google Chrome browsers and stuff, that was all self-published. Yeah, because the PC version came out like a month or two after it came out on XBLA. It wasn't that far apart. Mm. Oh, Something when I was when I was looking at at old stuff for for Bastion, uh, I saw the the term uh, you could purchase this for twelve hundred Microsoft points. Ah. I had not thought about Microsoft points in so long. Uh, did you, did, did, you old. did you spend your Microsoft points? <laughs> oh, I don't think I've spent them all. I wonder. Are you sitting on like a gold mine, like Smog the Dragon of Microsoft points? <laughs> <laughs> on my Xbox account. <laughs> I feel like I oh not even feel like actually I absolutely was with that but for ubisoft points because i never use uplay <laughs> but the few times i logged in i'd see all these points from like hidden achievements from all the assassin's creeds or whatever yeah. I play. sure like, i'll I should buy probably... an assassin's creed skin why not yeah go get your pc wallpapers <laughs> <laughs> that's why i never spent them i'm like i need something better for this like mountain of cash i guess i'm sitting on <laughs> i need bastion points super giant super points super giant tokens I'm trying to think of go. a term Speaking of points and tokens, uh, I know this is an action RPG, but I, I feel like the RPG elements are pretty thin in this. Like, like playing through it, the only real benefit that I saw was getting like new new tonic uh, slots to open up to like modify your your stats. But like yeah. that's it. Because you're getting different weapons. I forget. You're not getting like equipment for the kid, right? No. So uh, as you're going through the game, like you'll unlock weapons by finding them in the levels. Um, and then you'll get different like upgrade uh, pieces in the levels or like in the the uh, proving grounds, like the, the challenge levels for each of the weapons. Um, and then you're you're spending like whatever the the bastion currency is on on like leveling those up and like crafting stuff um but actually like anytime i leveled up during the game like i felt like nothing was really happening uh, maybe my health went up a bit but it wasn't really apparent um 
John, maybe you were so good that it didn't matter. I was I so good. I beat it in one that's night. Probably, yeah, I mean, you yeah. You dodge see, rolling your way through town. Dot, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> narrator's like, man, he, he's just really into this dodge rolling. <laughs> <laughs> what if the narrator was like, oh, man, the RPG elements in this game are real thin. <laughs> <laughs> the kid ain't leveling up. <laughs> the kid leveled up. What even happened? I guess the number went higher. What'd he get? <laughs> what else is there? Uh, <laughs> you're leveling up the narrator it turns out the yeah whole hey. time. that's the yeah. uh, actually that would be cool if you like noticed more. more things that would be like, <laughs> like a passive perception stat is going up as yeah you level up. he becomes omnipotent by he's the remembering it, things from before the calamity <laughs> oh man that would be cool i think um, we'd be oh what you say john oh no i was i was just gonna continue but go go ahead i was gonna say uh i think we'd be remiss maybe not to touch on the soundtrack a little bit which is uh yeah. On top of the art for Supergiant games, I adore the soundtracks for all four of their games. I think they're a lot of ways. Supergiant is so reliable in so many different aspects, and their music is one of them. Like you know, from this game, obviously, "Build That Wall" is probably the song that everyone thinks yeah. of with Bastion, and for good reason. It's an it's a fantastic song, and you know, like you mentioned before, Darren Corb, who uh, pretty much composed everything. Uh, and had to figure out like how do I do this for a video game? What is the tone for this? And composed and, it separately in across the country because right. they, they were all in San Jose and yeah. Darren Ford was in New York, right? And so you know, just sending stuff over to them, being like, "This is what I got," <laughs> and and yeah. it's gonna set the tone for the entire game. Whatever you guys are building, you're you're gonna pull inspiration from this somehow, um, <laughs> which which is kind of wild, like sure they had like the, the the mechanical stuff that they wanted to do but like the actual flavor of the world kind of came from the music itself uh so like a lot of the the audio was or a lot of the the music tracks were locked in pretty early and they kind of built out the world uh and some of the narrative based on that tone yeah which he described as like his like baseline was what if cormac uh cormac mccarthy was an american author usually does like western and sci-fi stuff like what if he made a fantasy video game was what he kept yeah. going back to for the sound design which i have not read a cormac mccarthy uh, uh, book i don't know he, if you guys he have write the, uh, the 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 road did he <laughs> jack kerouac right are you thinking about i thought of the character jack Kerouac. jack Carraway. <laughs> i was like wait that's a different that's a different thing isn't it <laughs> oh yeah the 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 road yeah the the road the the one about like cannibals and whatnot yeah the, the, the last of us Netflix. basically yes exactly <laughs> the, yep. the the last of us before the last of us yep <clears throat> okay yeah uh, you you are absolutely right he was, he wrote that, that in him. 2006 that book's more recent than i realized it was <laughs> yeah that got like greenlit pretty quick for a movie yeah because it was like three years later that yeah. movie's good i don't know if, but not. is that a who's in that it's josh brolin oh no no no! it was a uh, vigo 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 morenstein morenson yeah. yeah and i don't remember the kid <laughs> but child the kid it, it, the kid from bastion yes and, and vigo morrison <laughs> hanging out with the narrator <laughs> but yeah like imagine i guess that book or that movie and then that apparently is he distilled that along with obviously his other uh bibliography into uh Bashik soundtrack which it, it, again it's a very somber like, you know the guitar it's got like a southern kind of like, twang like to it. yeah like twang like i i picture just like sailing down like the bayou when i'm listening to Bashik soundtrack and 
and the water is forming underneath me because, you know, I'm, I'm sailing into an otherwise empty void with a narrator telling me about every oar that's, stroke. It's actually I'm... what Louisiana's like. Is, uh... Oh, okay. There's never anything there until people walk around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have yeah. you yeah, ever been to the, the French Quarter? Okay, the French Quarter, otherwise, when it's like at nighttime and everyone's home, it's like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. some people wake up and they fill it up. It doesn't gotcha. exist. Every night they call it the calamity uh, when the sun goes down. That's probably why it's super haunted. <laughs> that might be why it's super haunted. It's the ghost. <laughs> and we figured it out. <laughs> we should probably let them know what happened. <laughs> I don't think it's been a mystery for you. Like, hey, have you guys figured this out? I think we were. Do you guys know the lore at this point? We, we have theories. <laughs> you should play Bastion. Maybe we'll piece it together. Uh, so, so when Bastion was released, uh. <laughs> It it did okay, um, as as uh, Amir put it. I like how honest he is in that clip of like it did fine. It did fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was the first game in like a a summer of arcade promotion. Those are always gonna do all right. People were always hyped for for the summer of arcade. At least I was. Um, I, yeah. I look forward to those every year because it was kind of the the highlight of like what's what's cool and upcoming in in the world of like indie games yeah and it had a good track record yeah absolutely usually every year there was at least one like banger in there explosion man yeah limbo Uh, limbo wait Uh, was meat boy part of that i thought it was i think i think i'm mistaken but it feels like it would be yeah like uh i think in amir pointed out where people in hindsight i think forget that bastion was not a hit right off the bat it was a kind of a a, it got there through like word of mouth and stuff i think he said when it came to steam was the first like big bump because at that point the word had been out of like no people should play this (laughs) and that's when he realized like oh we we got something here like because it sounded like it sold well enough from the outside to where you know they could form a studio i know logan said that he was able to quit his job i think he, he was working at a movie theater while he was uh, doing the recording for Bastion and Bastion's success allowed him to focus full time on being a voice actor and stuff. So I guess it did enough to get the, the essentials done of like, hey, we can maybe open a studio now. And then as time went on, it was like, oh, now the money, I guess, is rolling in, which is uh, pretty cool. I wonder what year it'll be when people stop asking him to do that voice. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, unless you know when he's gonna like die. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah. Let's go to one of those like, uh, like when will you die? <laughs> unless you're being followed by like a Shinigami and you can see the numbers on his head. It's a Death Note reference for everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, or I bet at this point it's the Hades. It's Hades, right? Because he voices Hades and Hades. Yeah. And that's yeah. become such a big hit. Now they're gonna be right. like, oh, tell that us, is... be mean to us. <laughs> Make Hades. <laughs> The narrator have a conversation oh. to make him have a conversation. Oh man, they should have had like Rux dies and he's like he's in the line to 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 talk to Haiti <laughs> oh, and gosh. get judged. He's like, oh, you didn't really do anything in your life, did you? And he's like, well, I met a kid, <laughs> helped him save the world once. I want it wasn't you. enough. I built a spaceship <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of exactly. the town. That's the thing with Hades, right? I know we're going to over Hades, right? But every time I watched him on the line, I don't think he ever let one person, like, I guess into Elysium or whatever. He's always just like, nah, <laughs> you're stuck here. 
This is part of it. You're stuck in line for the rest of it. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I would wait for like a half hour sometimes. I'm like, I want to see if he gives one person a break and it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the DMV. I thought I was in Hades. It feels like I'm in limbo. Hey, that's one. Hey, what am I, chop liver? (laughs) But yeah, like I said, it was. you know, even though it was like a modest sales success, it reviewed super well. Obviously, yeah. uh, Game Informer, Matt Miller, he gave it a 9.25 out of Jeez. 10, uh, which is a great score, if that wasn't clear. <laughs> Especially uh, in 2011. Back when scores were ancient. Back when scores mattered. <laughs> back in my day, a 9.25 <laughs> used to be a big deal. It used to mean something. Yeah. But, you know, it was uh, like IGN named it the best XBLA game of 2011, which that award dates this of like there was a separate award just for that. (laughs) 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 Um, And, you know, today would just be a general indie game. It was nominated for best indie game at the uh, remember this, the Spike Video Game Awards in 2011. It it almost got that weird monkey trophy that... (laughs) used to give out oh yeah, you want to talk about a time capsule spike video game awards are a time capsule yeah uh, uh the super giant team almost got to get a monkey trophy from samuel L. jackson or something <laughs> they should have uh but they want they want a bunch of awards for this game yeah that again yeah, that kind of helped it sort of like snowball into a bigger sales success because you yeah. know like you know people like jesse vitelli who was cooler than I, I guess he found it years later but they did you you were cooler than your friends. You're like, hey, guys, you know, you went full hipster of like, you probably haven't heard of this game. But. Yeah, I, I did. I did have to pull one of those. Like, <laughs> you might have to search on the store a little bit, but you'll find it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's in the back, <laughs> the back corner of the store. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm prom. I promise you it's great. Also, drink this IPA while you're. <laughs> All right. It's integral to the experience. It'll make you. It'll put some hair on your chest, make you sound like the narrator. Um, but yeah, it, you know, Bastion eventually came out on Steam in, in August because it launched July 20th for Xbox. Came yep. to Steam in August. Didn't come to PlayStation until 2015. It was the PlayStation 4. It never came to PS3. Um, and eventually came to Xbox One in 2016. And the most recent re-release was coming to switch in 2018 uh you said you didn't play it on switch right john you played it on something i else? played it on pc i had it on i had it on steam okay i would like to play it on switch that seems like the perfect switch game and i've always meant to all all of these games feel like perfect switch games and i keep on finding out i have them on pc already so it's Can't it's, been, it's been a painful experience the last couple <laughs> like i just want to play this in bed and i don't yeah. want to spend the money on it you gotta yeah, get a steam deck there you go That's ah, yeah, there you go i'll i'll hit up miller i'll, I'll try to get our our office <laughs> i was like you're gonna steal here. miller's is that what you're saying <laughs> sure <laughs> break into his house and it's not gonna miss it yeah yeah that thing's pretty big He'll he, miss it. <laughs> he, he has other handheld things to play with right now he has children those are the ultimate handhelds <laughs> It's, it's, it's true. <laughs> I can't think of a more portable form of entertainment than a child. <laughs> you can take them anywhere. They can do a lot of things. They're great. Make you laugh. You think it was ever compared a child to a handheld gaming yeah. device before? <laughs> no, but I like it. I'm here for it. Game Boy, you have an actual boy that can play games. <laughs> How about that? That's my Game Boy. <laughs> Let me tell you how much that one costs. I'd Too buy much. that for a dollar. The kid said it's a subscription service. 
That's what it is. <laughs> Pay monthly for that. I've got my live service child here. <laughs> What's the battle pass this season? Yeah, every new school year is like another patch. It's going to get some more features. <laughs> See how it's, it's coming it's out. Called, in... It's called arithmetic. <laughs> patch 6.0. Dad, English. I'm six years old. <laughs> so we should probably like. Sure. Unless you have more of the uh, dev history you like to share with us. No, that, uh, that's that's about it. Like, uh, I I feel like a lot of the the development was, at least from what I was seeing, smooth-ish. They just kind of put the pieces together as they went, um, and and figured it out. Um, yeah, like they they talked about how they more or less, at times, killed themselves making this game. Not necessarily in a crunch sense, because there's only seven of them. It was just that they were all so passionate about it. Yeah, they were always working on it and they just wanted it to be good. And they were there, genuinely excited about what they were working on. There were people like flying between cities and like working on it in Amir's dad's house yeah, like and staying the night or multiple nights yeah. in, in that living room. Oh, uh, one one last little little note was uh, they were they were talking about how they needed to optimize things for the xbox 360 and like make like enemy counts work a certain way so like the frame rate would would stay up and yeah because the game like, runs at 60 on 360 right it runs at 60 which i don't yeah. think i ever really i i or not even really i know i didn't perceive that because that was when i just could not tell the difference in the frame rate like i was like frame yeah. rate stupid uh, back before then. before you were ruined by knowing what 30 and 60 yeah, because you know, like, growing up a console gamer, you're like you you grew up on thirty basically, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I I when I saw that, I was like, wait, Bastion always ran at sixty? Like, huh? <laughs> when I go back to it on three sixty, like they that's pretty wild. Like, well done. <laughs> uh, but but a fun anecdote was like, yeah, we can make these constraints for three sixty, but it didn't really matter for PC, so we could just like take <laughs> off. Like we didn't have to worry about like fixing the code and stuff for the PC release. It's, uh, right. things could we do some wild things in the background for character counts and whatnot and uh the the pc was just powerful enough to to take it which i think is a is a slightly dangerous way to think about uh, <laughs> how how that works because not every pc is going to be an xbox 360 uh at that time uh yeah i i don't know i, I just thought that was kind of funny that they're like eh, we'll we'll optimize 360 and we'll do whatever for pc yeah, but I mean, that's a familiar uh, sentiment for most devs, right? Of like, you know, PC, the shackles are off, right? <clears throat> right. Uh, so, you know, because you always develop for PC and then scale down for consoles. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll dive a bit into the sort of the story. You know, it's it's really like looking back on Bash's story, it's not as involved as I thought I remembered it being. <laughs> um, But I, I guess that kind of plays to how like it. It, it, like impactful it is that it, it it has a relatively like simple message or, or series of messages and it's delivered so like tightly because you know the the whole idea is that you're in this this shattered world um called uh caldonia i think is how you pronounce it um and that you know it's like a thing called the calamity some big catastrophe of unknown origin that just literally shattered the world and it's just a bunch of floating land masses and that you, as the kid, are tasked by Rux, the narrator, to restore Caldonia. It's Ceylandia. Ceylandia. Okay. Thank you for. Okay. Yeah, uh, no now, now, now like, I can no longer is... sound like an idiot. <laughs> 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 oh, Caldonia? Kill, kill 
I'm glad we're having this conversation now because I wasn't sure. Yeah, I'm was like, this... uh, he's, probably, he's putting that D in real <laughs> That's early. why Jesse was silent. He's like, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to be the one that shows up. <laughs> this I'm is the a guest here. I'm, I'm reliving my Hermione Harry Potter nightmares oh, no. of like, oh, wow. I saw that. I didn't. Re- I thought it was pronounced it's this whole It's not Haramone. <laughs> oh, oh, that. Yes. That's exactly how I thought it was, too. Um. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like the world was destroyed and the survivors fled to a safe haven called the Bastion. And you as the kid just have to try to restore the world as it was. And you find out along the way that the world was destroyed basically in a war between uh, uh, the faction of Ceylondia and then a nation called Ura. And really the only other characters in this game are the is a character named Zolf who is mm-hmm. of Ura, and there's another character named Zaya, who is an Ura, but she was raised in Ceylondia. Say- <laughs> I am yeah. saying that right. right. <laughs> okay. And, you know, you kind of get both sides of the, uh, I guess, the conflict just from interacting with those characters. Um, and, you know, as you're trying to undo the, uh, the damage that was done, uh, you eventually power up the device that's in the Bastion, and... You wind up like ultimately fixing things, but how you go about it, it mainly comes down to two big choices. And, you know, the first choice is uh, early on because Zolf is kind of, I guess, pretty much the villain. Yeah, like the I mean, closest it's, thing to a villain it's, in it's that a game. gray area. Like, yeah. yeah, he's he's from this this other this other place. He's he's in Ura. Um, so he's going to side with them. Yeah. Um, but like everything that it's it's one of those things like the the villain like everything that the villain sees is like he's the good guy in the situation you can you can see where he's coming from he's more Uh, of the antagonist is probably like by virtue of him being on the opposite of what your your people do yeah (laughs) because you get a choice early like late in the game where like his own people turn against him and this is a in the documentary greg often talks about this particular moment because he wrote the game about like you know you find you find him later on and his people are like basically like mugging they're him just, yeah they they're jumping him out <laughs> <laughs> they are doing like a shield beat down on him that's our wrestling reference for the yeah, show yeah they, they triple power pumped up through the table. yeah i remember that yeah through a table yeah. <laughs> it was pretty just a ddt off the top rope there you go <laughs> there you go <laughs> there we go there we go jesse and we're at the shield now the three of us <laughs> we did it the hounds of justice we're putting our fist in the middle right now you can't see it of course but it's happening um but yeah you find him and you get presented with a choice which i remember being really surprised by because i think unless i'm free name john this was like the first like actual choice in the game where so i was like oh there's choices you make in this game okay yeah it it's uh i was like i don't remember unless it was a smaller thing it it is it is the the first of two choices yeah it's so this is the last level of the game yeah like that's why it's like like literally the the, the last thing that you do and it's like you find Zolf. he's he's beaten down he's like unconscious and it's like well do you save him or do you leave him be honest did you guys save him or leave him the first time i saved him i think i left him him the first (laughs) time good to know i'm a different man now uh i (laughs) I saved him this time though did you feel i mean i i could understand and i think uh craig pointed out that you know if you left him like because again, he'd only been really antagonistic to you. Like, you really don't have any incentive to save him. I mean, based on everything he'd done up to that point. 
No, but like this time around, I'm thinking about like the, the things that he did. Like he went back to his people, his people attacked the Bastion, kind of blew up the Bastion. There's two people there outside of me. No one died. I'm going to save him this time. Like he didn't really do any real damage. Um, he, he did what was uh, logically right in his mind. And I'm not going to punish him for it. Attempted murder. It's attempted murder, um, but <laughs> but it's not murder. I murdered more of his people than he murdered of mine. That is true. I guess when you put it like that, who are we to judge? We we did not attempt. We 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 succeeded in all of our murder. <laughs> Death the kid. But yeah, like saving him is cool. I've I I save him too because I'm mainly because I'm too much of a softy uh, in in games, Same. but um. I, it does lead to a very, uh, a very cool scene where you're carrying him out of there and you're, you know, you're moving a lot slower because, you know, body weight and you're just getting like shot at yeah, you're all of his dudes. Like they're all like posted up like pillars and they're laying into you with these arrows and, you know, you can kind of dodge and hide behind stuff. But by and large, you were just like a, a pin cushion taking it and but, but like in a really cool moment the like the more you go, the more the the Ura kind of see what you're doing and like, wow, this guy's helping out one of our own or he really has no reason to whatsoever. Mm. And they start to sympathize a bit of like, Hey, maybe let him go. And they stop. They slowly start, sh stop shooting. And there's a great moment that I, I remember this, but I'd forgotten until Craig pointed out in the documentary where there's a point where everyone has stopped firing, but there's one guy that takes like some shots at you. Yeah. And then, like, one of the, uh, I guess, like, the tribe leader or whatever kills that guy. Like, you see him hit just, him. He like, and knocks him down. Just, like, yeah. punches him in the back of the head. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's not, like, addressed or focused on. Like, you can miss it if you're not really, like, looking at that side of the screen. Um, but I remember thinking at the time, of like, oh, that, like, that guy's like, oh, you know, I told you to stop firing. And this guy, I guess, was maybe a little bit more of a zealot or whatever it was. Just, yeah. like, screw this. And seeing that, I thought that was, like it just added something to that and hearing craig talk because he talks about it for a while of like he loves little moments like that in games that maybe people would miss and he put that in there as like just a small but really effective sort of storytelling device that kind of even enhances just the emotion in that scene of like no no, no dude we're we're cool with this guy now who's this yeah, asshole it it really <laughs> puts that exc exclamation point on the situation like uh when i when i was finishing it the other night I wasn't sure if they were like if they stopped uh like why they were stopping uh shooting at me until like I saw that that dude like take a few shots and then that person like knock them down. It's like okay. I I understand that there's like some sort of respect that's being shown uh by yeah. by the era. Can you die during that? I can't not, remember. Not that I could not that like, I could figure out. Your your life bar's not up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I was like, you know, I kept moving because I was afraid of like, oh, if I stop, I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to get wasted. Uh, but I was wondering, like, can you if you just stood there and just ate all those arrows, could you like not make it out of there? I don't but, think so. I tried dropping his body so many times. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. get off my shoulder. I've got some work to do. I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's oh, they're idea. shooting at me, man. You're heavier than you looked. <laughs> and I'm weaker than I looked. This isn't so. worth it. I thought I'd get out of here. Got free. You guys this can have too him. much trouble. Yeah, I'll help you stomp him. <laughs> you are you guys shooting at him, him or are you shooting at me? I can't. 
<laughs> feels weirdly Can't personal. Help. I think I need to, to deal with exactly. this. Yeah, the, the kid is actually shielding himself with his body. It was not an act of kindness. <laughs> you couldn't tell with the isometric Ooh, perspective. Meat but he was just, yeah, exactly. He's like <laughs> just... he holding him off. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that brings us to the, the second and final choice of the game. Yeah. Is that at the end you're presented with either because you know you've kind of a you got everything to where like hey we can fix things but you have one or two ways of doing it either you can use the power of the bastion to reverse time to before the calamity happens it'll be like none of this ever happened kid yeah and I guess unless I'm remembering like was the implication being that like you going back in time to prevent it or you would just live out your life and maybe it was far enough back to where like you wouldn't even live long enough to see the calamity happen. You would live. If I remember correctly, it was you can go back in time, but there's no proof that the calamity won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Like there's no promise that this won't happen. Again. Right. So like you might okay. go back in time and, and go to live your life, but then the calamity will still eventually happen again. Okay. At the same point in history, though, right? It's not like, oh, it might happen. <laughs> Actually, like it, it's it's pretty gray on. Like what people's mindset is at once you go back like rux is just like we'll we'll go back it'll be like none of this ever happened uh and he makes it sound like the calamity won't happen but like all the stuff that you've learned about the world and the era and the the relationships that you've made wouldn't have happened yeah and so so it's either uh like warp time and space or use the Bastion to fly around the world and start new adventures. Yeah, which is the, the other choice. Yeah. Like, let's just find somewhere else to live. Like, oh, this is fine because humanity's probably going to mess this thing up again, so might as well carry on. Yeah, with just like the full, the handful of survivors that are left, we're just going to go, <laughs> we'll figure it out somewhere else, which... Do you guys remember what you chose? Or I guess, John, did you choose the same thing twice, or...? So I'm don't. actually trying to remember what I picked. I think I might have gone with the find a new place. That's what I did. That's what I did this time. So I don't always... remember what I did last time. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I think because it was ambiguous on like if we revert things like this all might this all could happen again. Like there's no promise of a better world. I was like, this world's already messed up. There's a chance the old world could get messed up again. We're just going to get out of here. We're we're in an okay place now post calamity. Like there's a hopeful Yeah. There's a, there's hope on the horizon and I'm going to fly towards it on this cool yeah. spaceship. Though in a way both endings are kind of ambiguous, right? Cuz there's no guarantee you'll find a better place. You could be like It's true. You could yeah. be like Moses wandering the desert for 40 years before you find paradise or something like that. So I guess there's technically a risk with both. It's almost like a devil, you know, versus one you don't. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't think I thought about that at the time when I chose, like, let's get in our spaceship and go on adventures, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I guess now that it just occurred to me, like, yeah, I guess both of them are kind of up in the air, right? Like, maybe yeah. some say they're still flying through space to this day and haven't found a... <laughs> a i don't know planet or whatever they're looking for that's habitable they're gonna crash land into tartarus and that's how Uh the bastion expansion is going to come day yes Uh (laughs) uh-huh i like it i finally they're like this place looks good the underworld (laughs) (laughs) perfect pretty warm down here i guess tell me we can escape this place 
Right. Yeah, there's Agrius and the kids. Three-headed dogs? Great. I'm Why not? No weirder than the stuff they had in where killed Ceylandia. Ceylandia, <laughs> darn it. Uh, and yeah, that's the plot of Bastion. That's and Bastion. as far as I know, that'll be it because Supergiant thus far has never been a sequel studio. They've always moved on to just yeah. something completely different every game. So this will likely be it <laughs> forever. Maybe we'll maybe never find out what the canonical ending of the game is, so to speak. Would you oh. would you like a sequel to Bastion that's in the framework of Hades? See, I would I've always wondered that if I would want a sequel to any other games. Yeah. Uh and I mean Bastion is probably the one I would want like I would like to see a Bastion 2 with the lessons they've learned from Hades and the combat improvement from mm-hmm. Hades of like if it's if they made it as fast paced and smooth as Hades, because Bastion's combat is fine. Yeah, but it has age. It was really good for the time now, especially post Hades, maybe like not as much. But yeah, I would I would like to see them as for really any of the games of like what are the lessons you've learned from Pyre, what are the lessons you learned from Transistor and make a new one of those. I think that'd be exciting. And I, I wonder if they'll ever do it. I it wouldn't shock me because I feel I don't believe in saying never <laughs> say never. But Bastion would be the one I would want them to do a sequel to first. So. What if they made a super giant like what if collection and they mm-hmm. just took all of their games, but swapped the genres between their games? So Ooh. like like Bastion becomes like a visual novel sports game in the style of Pyre uh-huh. and uh-huh. Hades just becomes a normal action adventure RPG. Like you just you just swap the genres of all the games. I want to see all the sexy people in Hades play magic space basketball. This, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, it's a I free idea that. for your super giant. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I hear you're limited over there. Not a great, <laughs> not a very creative studio. <laughs> just creatively bankrupt just, at all times. Genre swap all your old games. <laughs> like, I don't know, guys. Throwing your hands up. <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> this Jesse guy suggested a, a, a collection. Oh, See, I thought you were going to say, like, because I've always wondered, like, their games could all exist in the same universe, right? Like, there's not really not. anything yeah. about them that seems like it'd be exclusive either way. Like, Transistor, maybe, because Transistor seems like it's in the future, whatever that even means. It could... I've played Final Fantasy XIV. Anything, anything, anything goes. Anything goes, man. <laughs> yeah, right? It could just be a different civilization in the same universe that just is more advanced than the Bastion people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, know? and then Hades can exist in any of these worlds. It's just the underworld. It's just, do they have Greece? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just Greece exists. That's true. I guess that's the only game that like alluded to a real world country, right? <laughs> like because they yeah. mentioned Greece in that game. Um, so, but who knows? It, uh, Dragon Ball Z takes place on Earth, canonically, <laughs> and they yeah. have dinosaurs. <laughs> the so. the greatest Earth story ever told. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I've always said that. Yes, I'm glad we got into we got in our obligatory wrestling and Dragon Ball references. Yeah, I mean we've been I've I've been friend. dropping anime references here and there too. I know you have with with the Death Note reference, but yeah, had a little yeah. had a little Soul Eater one earlier. Anyways, oh, I love My Hero Academia. There we go. Now I got there my you go. <laughs> I just say oh, yeah. I watched this show. Jujutsu Kaisen. It's uh, he's gonna the kid's gonna find the One Piece. Then <laughs> there's my there's my One Piece reference. Oh digital monsters 
they're the champions. I mean, they all all of these games are digital worlds. So there you go. That's true. Oh, crap. they technically do exist on a memory card. Somewhere. Can Zagreus be my Digimon partner? Could be. Agumon could be in Hades. We have no idea. Agumon crap. should be in Hades. This changes Make everything. Make it with It's anything. It's possible. <laughs> I want the narrator to be my Digimon. <laughs> want... Oh, yeah. And he narrates his Digivolution. He's like, Digi, the Digivolven Megaform. oh god we should end this podcast (laughs) we're coming up with too many good ideas we're gonna gonna start our new digimon podcast next digimon survive by super giant games it'll never come out (laughs) (laughs) well you know that wraps up bastion guys what an episode great game if you have not played bastion somehow absolutely uh Go out of your way to play it. I'd say to go out of your play to uh, go out of your way to play all of Super Giants game. But totally. you know, if you've maybe gotten to their catalog later and haven't played the game that put them on the map, go do it. It's a great game, one of the best ever. Really important to uh, I guess the uh, again establishing indie games as a uh, as a as a thing as a, a I don't say genre but just like a scene that you should absolutely keep your eye on. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any. Uh, last uh, final thoughts you want to share about bastion bastion good yeah i love it it's on like virtually everything you yeah. you will not have a problem finding a copy of that game on your preferred platform yeah and if you have played something like hades i don't think the i don't think this game's gonna be like too difficult to finish um there's like yeah, really just right. going back to like a, a 2011 action rpg it was like oh this is actually pretty pretty simple uh to to get into and, and i to mean finish, so. pro gamer john beat it in the night guys listen i'm a, i'm a, i am i write about video games for a living i'm not that great at games so i if i can do it you guys can yeah that's a good endorsement yeah, if, <laughs> <laughs> if i can do it anyone can anyway, 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 i, I, I suck <laughs> i'm garbage <laughs> oh yeah thanks for listening guys um be sure to uh follow the show uh hit us up as i mentioned uh last season uh podcast.gameinformer.com if you have any feedback just make sure to put video gameography in the uh, subject line if you have any uh comments about the game corrections if one of us says something really wrong and you want to make us feel guilty about our actions or whatever it is any any love you want to show the show uh let us know or if you're on our discord channel we have the video gameography uh channel there which you know a uh, few of you hang out there and hit us up with some lovely feedback, which John and I appreciate very much. Yeah. It makes us feel good about ourselves because we often feel like garbage people. And, <laughs> and daily, yeah, I wake up like that. Yeah, exactly. So you guys keep us going. It's great. We appreciate it. And otherwise, if you want to reach out to us individually on social media, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Marcus Stewart Seven, which is the number seven. Yeah, uh, I'm at John underscore Carson. And then Jesse, what, where can people find you? I am on Twitter. I am at Jesse Vitelli. If you find Mama Vitelli, that's me. You found me. It's the right place. Mixture of all sorts of stuff from video game takes to Final Fantasy 14 to real cursed content. It's, it's, you can find it I all. I love it. He's a, he's a great follow. Uh, I've Thank been you. blessed Appreciate to follow him for months now. 
Nice. <laughs> y'all are great followers too. We're, we're killing it on Twitter. We're all great. Yeah, yeah, we're all killing it. We're we're doing we're living our best lives on on Elon Musk's Twitter. Uh, finally, it's so good to say that. <laughs> I think that's what he'll call it, right? <laughs> Elon Musk's how, how could you not? <laughs> yeah, and Jesse, you know, thanks again for coming on. Is there anything else yeah. you want to plug about? You know, anything uh, you're working on? Well, first of all, I would love to say thank you for having me. It was this was a pleasure. I love getting to chat games with y'all. Uh, if you want to find my writing, it's at primagames.com. Mostly a lot of guides, some some features, reviews. You know, we do it all, but mostly guides. If you ever if you're ever stuck on a video game. Come find me. I'll help Jesse's you. Jesse's got you. Hopefully, maybe. If it's like Genshin Impact or something, I got I got no help for you. Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen, you let me know. Wait, It'll just tell seems... you to stop playing the game. <laughs> this seems very specific. <laughs> yeah, if really, if you have Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen inquiries, let me know. <laughs> but yeah, no, premiumgames.com. You know, we're 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 getting ready for some big things. So so look out for that. It's going to be exciting. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and tune in next week where we talk about Supergiant's second game, Transistor. Should be a fun episode. And until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.